Welcome to Strength for the Journey from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau. Jesus said he would return one day, and people have been waiting ever since. What do we do in the meantime? First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun explains. Please stand for the scripture reading. We continue our study in the Gospel of Mark, and we're coming up to something very important. Chapter 13, verse 26, and I'll read it for us. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And Son of Man is Jesus' favorite term for himself. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also... When you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that hour, that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn. Or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Keep awake. Keep awake, says the Lord. Especially when Dan is preaching. Keep awake. Actually, Jesus is saying to keep awake because he is coming back. Get ready. Live a life as if he could come today. At that time, may our hands be on the plow, doing his work, living a life for him. I've never preached on this passage of Scripture, but it's a good thing we're going to delve into it today. As it's pretty clear, we need to keep awake to hear what Jesus is saying. Judgment Day. There are two schools of thought on this passage. Chris gave a great sermon on this last week and they began talking about this subject. Some say Jesus is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, which happened in 70 AD. Others think he he is also talking about the return of Jesus from heaven since he says he's coming in the clouds. And this is what we're going to look at today. What do we do with the return of Jesus? He said he would be coming back. Would you hazard a guess how many times his return is mentioned in the New Testament in the Bible? Anyone want to guess? Just throw out a number. You're dumbfounded. Okay, you're speechless. His return is mentioned 300 times. 
That's one out of every 13 verses. So you shouldn't ignore its importance. Keep awake. Now, for some, it's good news, bad news. Some say the good news is that Jesus is coming back, and the bad news is that he's really upset. Well, Jesus being upset is one way to look at it, but that's not necessarily right. I hope by the end we will see how this passage can be helpful and not hurtful. However, it would, it would not be hard to see how Jesus would return and how his heart might ache and he might not be happy with what he sees. He sees a world that always has a war going on somewhere on the planet. He sees an earth that humans have taken for granted. We, are, um, we have severely polluted the air, the water, the land with our waste products and industries. Like in L.A., where I just returned from a Fuller Board of Trustees meeting, um, where there's a constant haze of polluted air, or a place like Beijing, which I visited a couple years ago, we could barely see 20 yards ahead while driving. And Jesus looks around and finds other things that breaks his heart. He sees the moral pollution of the world. He sees child molestation in every country. He sees the multi-billion dollar pornography industry that preys on children and adults. He sees sex trafficking, not just in foreign countries like Thailand and Cambodia, where our church has sent two groups, but right here in Hawaii, where it is sadly highly profitable. He sees and grieves that sexual harassment has prompted movements like Me Too and Time's Up. He sees prejudice and racial and gender inequality. He sees the needless suffering of animals when they're used just for entertainment like hunting and circuses or when ducks are force-fed so we can expand and destroy their livers so we can have a tasty paste called foie gras. Jesus looks around and sees the widespread use of meth in our societies and opioids and ecstasy that people substitute for real happiness. He sees institutions that are not built on public service but rather on pride and greed or desire for power. He sees businesses that thrive on the love of money, which the Bible says is the root of all evil. But this is not a sermon on, oh, let's all feel guilty because we're about to be taken to the principal's office. Nor should we want to avoid this topic so our lives will not be in alignment with him. So what is this passage about? Well, first of all, this passage says this. We don't know when Jesus is returning. And Chris beautifully said it last week. Jesus says even, um, even he doesn't know. Only the Heavenly Father knows when. So if you ever hear people giving a countdown because they know the exact date Jesus is coming back, they are so wrong. Jesus said no one will know. But it also means we need to keep awake, which leads to the second point. We should think about Jesus' return, but not get obsessed I like what C.S. Lewis, the British theologian, writer, author, said about the second coming of Christ in his essay, The World's Last Night. And he said, we should be like a sentry, always ready in case the enemy attacks, always ready in case his commanding officer should drop by unexpectedly for an uh, inspection. But it shouldn't be a paranoid fear. 
Lewis said it's more like how an 80-year-old man should not always daily think about the possibility of his death. But yes, he needs to take that reality into account. So he makes a will, and he tries to make sure he has offered forgiveness and received forgiveness from others. There has to be a balance held in tension between seriously thinking, I could die tomorrow, and not thinking about it all the time. Even young adults should be buying life insurance because they might die. Now, do they obsess about death? No, but they need to think about that, especially if they're married and have children. We live in the tension of needing to think about death, but not overthink it every day. Hence, we need to live focused on knowing that Jesus is coming back. Keep awake, Jesus says. But balance that with not being overly concerned about it every day. However, I would surmise that most of us in this room have hardly thought at all about the return of Jesus. Zero on the meter might mean I never think about it, and a hundred means I think about it all the time. And maybe the needle on our faith meter needs to go a little more towards the direction of knowing and thinking about what did Jesus mean that he's saying he's coming back. How would that shape my life? Why don't we think about it? Now, I dare say for some, it's because their suffering has not been great. Friends of mine who have friends in Rwanda who have have had loved ones murdered because of past oppressive regimes, those Rwandan friends often say, this earth is not my home. They look forward to Jesus returning. They long for a place where their suffering, their poverty, and their pain of losing their loved ones would end. African Americans in this country suffer tremendous racial prejudice and still do. It's hard to believe that it was not until the mid-1960s that African Americans obtained the right to vote or live where they want. Incredibly, our American government had previously blocked that right for African Americans to vote, as well as the right to eat in all restaurants or swim in public swimming pools or use public bathrooms or sit on a bus where they want to or rent or own a home where they wanted to. So youth and millennials, uh, you know, know your U.S. history, even though you weren't around back then. And you've seen the recent movie, maybe, Black Klansman or Green Book, and then you know what I mean. If you studied American history, you should know what I mean. But there was a shining light in that moment of darkness. For many African Americans, it was the church that was the center of their family because it gave them hope. And if things didn't get better in this world, their faith gave them courage and they knew that someday Jesus would return and right every wrong. We just remembered and celebrated the life of Martin Luther King Jr. just last weekend, six days ago. Many of you didn't have to uh, go to the office. In his classic famous speech, I Have a Dream, King spoke of a time when hopefully this world would bring justice and freedom to all the people in the land in the midst of tremendous suffering of the African Americans. So let's look at a short piece of that speech, just a couple minutes. Let's take a look. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. 
and every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is the faith that I go back to the South with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day, this will be the day when all of God's children be able to sing with new meaning, my country tears of thee. Sweet land of liberty of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. And so let freedom ring. It was the church that was the backbone of much of the African-American community. Martin Luther King Jr. was with, you noticed, with the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. He believed God would give them the strength for today and a hope that when Jesus returns, all things wrong will be made right. Did you hear King say it clearly in his speech where his hope came from and how it was dripping with biblical imagery? He said, I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted, every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope, he said. This is the faith that I go back to the south with. When you have suffered greatly and injustice thrives where you are, you do want to know that someday Jesus is coming back to make crooked things straight. And on that day, all the bad guys will be taken care of and all the injustices will end. And if you think about it, don't we want a faith that believes that in the end, all will be made right? Yes, it may not be in our lifetime, but to know that in the final chapter, all will be made right, and has, that has got to be the basis for our optimism and the basis of our passion and endurance to do good in this world, even when the odds all seem against us. For those who are fighting evil, for those who are trying to make good happen, I say keep on keeping on. Don't give up. Never give up. Abraham never saw the nation he was to birth. Moses didn't get to the promised land. David not, didn't get to build the holy temple. The apostle Paul never got to see the church growth we have had today all over the world. But they kept on going on to the last day, not knowing when Jesus would return, but keeping awake and faithful. If we know that in the final chapter everything turns out okay, then we have hope. When our loved ones die, we can have hope they are taken care of in heaven because of Jesus alone. 
When we fight injustice, we don't give up. Again, I recall in Martin Luther King's very last speech, those powerful words of the need to keep on keeping on even though you don't see the end. He said this on April 3rd, 1968 at the Church of God in Christ headquarters in Memphis, Tennessee. Tragically, the next day, he was assassinated. So now listen to his speech in that context. Here is what King said almost in a prophetic sense. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. And I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Hard to believe he was killed the very next day. You don't know when your last day is. For what did King say? That's our passage. So that someday we'll see the glory of the coming of the Lord. And in the meantime, may we be faithful and show his love and justice to all. King was trying to restore hope to those who were beaten down, fighting racial injustice. We need to know that someday things can get better, not because of Martin Luther King necessarily, but the King of Kings will come. He has come and will come again in tremendous power. The first time he came, he told us that he would always be present through his Holy Spirit and he will help us and heal us even before he returns. And that's why we have a healing service today. Jesus plans to heal people today as he did in the first century. That's our present day hope. And for our long-term hope, for all of our attempting to make this a better world for ourselves and others, he will be there. As I've mentioned before, that as Christians, we fight like World War II resistance fighters in France and, and, the, and the civilians there against the Nazis who believe that though they were outnumbered and ill-equipped and may die one day, but one day, far across the seas, they had faith that a general would come with a great armada of ships and a sky full of planes coming in the clouds, bringing reinforcements, human angels parachuting down, soldiers landing on their beaches to come to fight the Nazis and right every wrong and save the people the allies came to save. Or in biblical terms, the parallel. Then they will see the Son of Man 
coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. The French resistance fighters and the people of France believed this in World War II. Someday, someday, we heard stories, we heard rumors about it. Someday, and we hope with all of our hearts and souls and minds, though knowing we ourselves might not be able to see it, that someday our loved ones, our homes, will be visited by a general who will make things right. And then, as you know, as it turned out, on June 6, 1944, in Normandy, France, from some unseen place that the French citizens couldn't see, many miles away in the distance, the ships, the planes, the soldiers arrived because a four-star general, Dwight Eisenhower, sent them. And they would now be present in France, fighting with them. Present. Remember that word. Revelation, the last book of the Bible, does not mention a four-star general, but it quotes Jesus saying in the last book of the Bible, it is I, Jesus, the bright morning star. Fifteen times the New Testament uses a special word in describing that Jesus is coming again. And that word, the word for that in Greek is perusia, which means presence. There's that word again. Jesus will again be present in person. When Jesus comes, it will be the ultimate presence, the ultimate light of the world to knock out the darkness. Now, here's a takeaway question that you can talk about in your Sunday lunch day, maybe when you're driving home, or maybe you're at Kolal Kitchen, or maybe in a small group or a fellowship group later this week. Here's the question. When you hear that Jesus is coming back, honestly, what do you feel? Gut check. Are you happy? Are you joyful? Are you celebrative? It's like, oh, man, like, he's coming back. I'm a little fearful. Like, is Jesus going to say, you better watch out. You better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why. Jesus Christ is coming to town. He could be making his list, checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty or nice. Jesus Christ is coming to town. Or maybe they're new lyrics. For some there is fear. Oh, there he is in the air. Will he be kind? Will he be fair? We might think, oh no, Jesus is coming back. It's worse than lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. What will you feel when he comes? It might be an indicator of where you are spiritually. What is Jesus going to be like when that judgment day comes? Now, since Jesus comes in the last days, we should look at the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and that's singular. A lot of people call it Revelations, but it's actually singular. So we see that the author of Revelation, that many think it's the Apostle John, says that when he looked at heaven in a vision, he saw a throne of judgment, and he saw a lamb sitting on it. That's peculiar. A lamb is sitting on the throne of judgment. Now, here's the deal. The lamb is Jesus. A lamb is a gentle creature. Jesus sometimes is portrayed as a lion, like the lion of Judah, as we will sing today, that he's a lion who fights for us and his roar will can still the greatest enemy. 
But as the judge on the throne, when he comes to earth on that last day, we see a lamb. Why? Because when Jesus was here on earth the first time, he came to a Jewish culture, right? He was Jewish, that had thousands of rules to follow, supposedly, to win God's favor, and thousands of rules so that people wouldn't sin. It was a culture where they would kill an innocent lamb to atone for their sin. So when Jesus came to earth, he was described by the prophet, his cousin, John the Baptist, as what? The Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God is coming. And he came to be the sacrificial lamb, willingly, who would give up his life to take care of all of our sin so that there was nothing we could ever do, uh, no perfection or performance needed because there was nothing we could do to win God's love because what was needed to remove our sin was already done. Jesus died for our sin. So it's like a judge in a courtroom who sentences you for a crime to go to a death sentence who then says, but I will go to the gallows for you. It's that incredible. I'll take your place. And he walks from behind the bench and goes up to you, gives you a hug, and then is shackled and taken away to jail for you. And you say, no, that's crazy. You can't do that. But, and Jesus, the judge, says, I will because I love you. And that's the essence of the Christian faith. Jesus loves us that much. For many in this room, sometimes we battle self-esteem. But we have to know, in this universe, Jesus died for us. He loves us that much. And that puts things in perspective. And when Jesus returns, he returns as the Lamb of God who has taken care of your, your sin, whether it's procrastination, your laziness of not having done enough good, or your crimes of the heart. Everything has been done for you. All Jesus wants is for you to accept what he has done for you and then follow him and trust him. You see, in this world, when we realize what Jesus the Lamb has done, we will want to receive his pardon and then love others as he loved us and follow this loving judge who is the Lion and the Lamb. Do we want to keep on fighting evil in this world and do good? Yes, not because we have to, but because we want to. It's not a, we battle this all the time even in our prayer life. It's not a transactional relationship that if I do more good works, then God will love me more, especially when he returns. No, it's not transactional. He loves us as we are, and he's already given us the greatest life. His. He's the judge. But he's the judge. Think about this. When he sees us, when he comes back, it's like he gives us a hug as he puts his scarred body and arms with wrists with nails holes in them, which shows that there's nothing we can do to earn his love. And he's already given us his full love. He's already paid the price. So to become a Christian, a follower of Jesus, all it means is to receive his love and return it. So in the last days, and out of that is a whole new experience due to the perusia, the presence of God. So I say keep awake for God's presence in your life. He's there daily. Keep awake. To do a paraphrase of our passage today, Jesus is saying, heaven and earth may pass away, but my love will never pass away. Keep awake. Keep the faith. Look for me. Follow me. For I'm coming back.
Let's pray. Lord, may this be a day when we might um, refocus our lives and think about what does that mean? How do we feel when you're, that you're coming back? Is it fear or joy, Lord? And for some here today, perhaps they want to recalibrate their lives, refocus it on you, and maybe for some here, maybe for the first time, say, I want to follow you. And as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, there's no contract to sign. But maybe with just a simple gesture of raising your hand right now, and I, as a pastor and your friend, will help confirm that before the Lord that you want to refocus your life. And if you want to do that, just raise your hand now. And the Lord will see it, and I will see it, and, and the angels will rejoice. Just stick up your hand right now. Lord, thank you for those dozen or so hands that have been raised, and may your spirit just flow in them in a new special way. And may this be a day that we celebrate the fact that you're coming back that you're coming. You're the lion and the lamb. And so, Lord, may we stand right now and sing with all of our hearts the joy of who you are, that you are the one who fights for us and loves us. In Christ's name, amen. And before I give the final benediction, um, I just want to encourage you, that those of you who might want some prayer, to please um, come forward after the service and go in front of the cross or in front of the choir risers, and our prayer team will be there, and they would love to pray with you, whatever the issue might be, and that whether it's healing of something physical or something emotional or spiritual, they would love to bring that up to a Lord who loves us very much. Again, a reminder, at 2 o'clock is a healing service, so please take advantage of that, but if you can't make that, please come forward after the service. And now receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. No one knows exactly when Jesus will return. We know he will because he keeps his promises. And that's where we find our hope. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Join us at one of our worship services on campus at 45550 Ole Road, Kaneohe, Hawaii, 96744. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.11. Follow First Pres on Twitter and Facebook. Download the brand new First Pres app, Watch First Pres Sermon videos on our website and on Facebook. And if you need more, you can call us at 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you and thank you for listening. Strength for the Journey is copyright 2019 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau.